0: Welcome to the Red Dice Diaries. This podcast is a rambling journey through the wonderful world of RPGs from the viewpoint of a longtime GM and player. The music at the start of this podcast was Nightmare by Alexander Nakarada and is used under Creative Commons license. Okay, so this episode I'm joined by Johannes Pavola. We're going to talk a little bit about the v20 sabbat game that he's been running that i'm fortunate enough to be playing in as part of a, a misbegotten pack of reprobates called collateral damage so johannes what is it that made you want to run a, a v20 game when you decided to like run a game
1: well uh as i said in the rpg day questions that we did some time ago uh, vampire was one of my first big loves in rpgs and v20 is a really handy collection it's sort of like the best of or the hits i suppose (laughs) and the hits album of, of the past 20 years of vampire a little bit of this a little bit of that and i think they polish the material up quite nicely Obviously, they can't include everything from twenty years well, uh, yeah. of publication. <laughs> that that would be an insane book, almost as big as White Hander.
0: I'm I'm not sure I've seen any role playing books that are as big as y Hander, to be honest. But um, I think it's what um, Old Man Grognard calls like a coffee table book. Although I didn't think when he used the phrase, he literally meant like a book the size of a coffee table.
1: Yeah, it's, it's just you just put legs under it and then you're, you're ready to go. Yeah, it. for uh, V twenty, I think it's for the old Masquerade. It's sort of like uh, like Metaplot agnostic, uh, and they, they wrote it to be that way, so it's it's sort of suitable for anything you want to do in the, uh, the classic masquerade world, depending on which your preferences are. You don't need to use uh, bits of the Metaplot that you don't like, that it's not written and baked in there, so I, I, I like it in, in that it's sort of uh, flexible. Uh, you. It's it's not it doesn't assume uh, a lot. It just presents a shit ton of information, which is what I'm looking for, because I I can make my own decisions on like what I want to include and whatnot.
0: Indeed. Now your your V20 Sabat game is called What Rough Beast. Now obviously I recognise the quote that that's from but Uh when you first started running the game, what is it that made you decide to call it that? And what sort of concepts and sort of themes did you have envisioned when you first started out?
1: Well, I do enjoy the poem though, like often quoted it is, but (laughs) I I, I quite like it. And uh, well,
0: I, I guess,
1: well, it started as an idea of, well, we're going to play the Sabbat, but we're going to start sort of like street level. So we're, we're not going to be the like high mystics of the sect or whatever. Like We're not going to be the, uh, the secret assassins and soldiers of the Black Hand. We're just going to be basically nobodies uh, on the street. And uh, I-, I thought that that was something that could tie into um, us basically discovering just what we might turn into as we play because uh, we started sort of uh, almost like right off the bat when you get embraced and the Sabat propaganda hasn't really done the magic yet so you're you're kind of like a person still, and uh, I figured that that might be uh, something that we discover in play like how how actually monstrous are we gonna be and we, we've been doing a lot of that uh, like was for some characters it's gonna it's been uh faster, uh, the development uh, into inhumanity than others, but uh, I thought that was uh, something I wanted to do, and I sort of baked it into the title, and then I had some other um, like plot related ideas that I figured uh, could be sort of like thematic in in that. uh, They also tie into the title of what Rough Beast, and uh, like the, because we're nearing the end now, uh i I sort of i find myself smiling at the fact that i don't actually know like which is going to be the beasts when we reach the end like which is it going to be the humans that we know are in in our games and doing whatever they do is it going to be the pack or some of the members there or is it going to be some of the other uh sabbath members or other vampires in that city? there's there's a couple of candidates in my mind for the actual Beast capital B.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the things I've very much enjoyed about the game, as you've said, we've had both. Sort of, we, we've come across like you stereotypically more monstrous vampires who are further down the path of inhumanity, but also we've got. We've got sort of like a there's like an, a sort of small army of like hunters for want of a better term, out there mm-hmm. who are sort of doing fairly like monstrous things given on their given like the equipment they've got. We've also yep. got sort of like um, the gang members and like um, Big T, who's like one of the local sort of like gang leaders slash like pimps. Well, and yeah, <laughs> it, it, one of the things I quite like about the game is it's not only the because I've played in a lot of games where like the theme's supposed to be like monstrousness. But it tends to only be like the vampires who like, reflect that. Whereas one of the things I'm enjoying about um, the What Rough Beast game is that theme seems to be reflected in a lot of the other NPCs, whether they're k or not. And was, was that like a conscious decision you made at the start?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Maybe not in, in so many words, but I like to, um, in, in vampires specifically, and to a lesser degree in World of Darkness, Uh, but the most I play is is Vampire, so in in Vampire I really like to play with the idea that it's just easier for everyone to be just the worst kind of person you you can be and it gets rewarded, especially in in Vampire, if you're the the, uh, kindred or canine, you get rewarded for being awful, like just the worst, and I like to play with that idea with like everyone in the setting, uh, of course, you have the ghouls. Uh, I know that we haven't done a lot of a lot of that with um, uh, this game specifically because it's, it's the Sabbath, and they are fairly like laissez-faire with their ghouls. Maybe don't really care that much, so we haven't like interacted in, in like deep um, deep ways with the ghouls that we have in the game. But uh, ghouls are one of my favorites for like reflecting the worst parts of the world because they're sort of still in the mundane world, where they uh, sort of represent the failures as far as they can be called. So uh, sort of like the, the awful qualities of being a person, and then you also like get the, the vampiric influence on top of that, and you get the worst of both worlds, so to speak. So in, in that way, I really enjoy ghouls. Yeah, I, mean, well.
0: the, I suppose the only, the only real ghoul we've got is our, our pack obviously has Trip, who runs uh, runs like a small pawn shop which was our original communal haven although we've moved at least once and probably soon be moving again <laughs> yeah after the events of last <laughs> session so so we, we move around a fair bit so we've only really got sort of like trip in terms of like a goal but i, I do agree with what you say i mean the, the the interesting thing about the goals is they've sort of got i suppose like a foot in both worlds and like you say that they are basically human But they've got like a couple of the sort of like the vampiric sort of edges if you want to call them that to them Mm
1: -hmm. yeah and i especially in in past games i've run i really enjoy playing with the idea of really old ghouls because then you get the 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 creature who is still basically a human but they've lived as long as vampires and they've been exposed to all the all the darkness that comes with that (laughs) And it's been happening to them for hundreds of years, potentially, and uh, some of my favorite uh, ghouls have been humans who have been exposed to, uh, let's say, some of the more uh, dubious clans, such as the Giovanni. So, uh, one of my absolute favorites is uh, a Giovanni ghoul who I've sort of hinted that he's probably at least 400 years old uh, and still a human. Because he, he's basically an outsider to the, the families so they don't really care, but he's really useful, so they've kept him around for 400 years or so, and he has long since switched um, to a path of enlightenment. And I quite enjoy like, bringing over the like how messed up you get when you are exposed to these mass murders uh, for such a long time.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I, I think as well. Obviously, you've got the like the revenants for the Zimmese clan, and I think if I remember correctly, the the Giovanni had some sort of Gaul families, although I don't I don't know if there were sort of revenants in terms of the rules, where it's sort of although they are technically human, as you say, they've been more sort of brought into this vampiric world from an early age. So they're more mm-hmm. used to it, but conversely, you see like a lessening of their like human side because they're they've sort of more firmly like planted themselves in that vampiric world.
1: Yeah, there's some Zemisi, uh, ghoul families which are basically all of your like disturbing people from uh, horror movies, such as like the Heroes Have Eyes. Basically, like there there's a ghoul family which are basically horror movie uh, monster people. Uh, they Live in the woods alone because they can 't interact with normal humans anymore like they they just don 't have the mental capacity to be civilized in any way they 're basically just uh, vampires without actually being vampires, and then like really monstrous ones at that uh, yeah I think uh, i I really would like to play a Google game uh, now that we 're talking about it uh, like down the line some sometime. Like a ghoul or a revenant game would be really fun, I think. I think that's
0: a nice way of potentially um, doing a... You know, like the, there's often not the talk of like doing a game where it's like a single clan, but, but quite yeah. often you get people going, like, oh, well, I don't want to play a Tremere or I don't want to play a Bruhar or whatever. I think mm-hmm. potentially doing like a ghoul game where you're all the ghouls of like the same vampire or a revenant game where you're all... You've all been sort of raised in the traditions of the same clan might be a nice way around that and it's also like you say it's a way of like keeping it down at that sort of like that street level you were talking about so it doesn't matter how powerful you get as a ghoul any like reasonably respectable like vampire is going to like wipe the floor with you unless like you're like you're some like 500 year old ghoul and they're like some yeah. like two day old neonate
1: yeah there's um, well, I ran the, this isn't uh, in almost any way related to the V20 game I'm running now, but I ran my um, face-to-face group through the Giovanni Chronicles uh, some time ago. Mm-hmm. And Well, there's a lot of problems with that Chronicle, let me
0: tell you, if you, if you didn't go through that back in the day. Yeah, I, I've played through that, I'm aware there's some serious issues with that Chronicle. But uh,
1: there's there's a portion of it where you play ghoul for a long time, and I think that's probably the best like, pre-made vampire. Uh, ad- like it's not really adventure, but like a pre-made vampire game. Concept that they have ever published. I think it's uh, the the concepts and ideas in there. Uh, and, well, it's a ghoul game, so you play ghouls who are probably all uh, serving this like one vampire, uh-huh. and you do that for several decades. And I think that's probably like the best part <laughs> of the Giovanni Chronicles. Like there's uh, three or like four. Well, oh, there's yeah, there's four books altogether. But like one in one of them, you have this ghoul portion and. Um, Spoilers, by the way, for anyone who hasn't, like, read those (laughs) 20-year-old books or heard someone bitch about them. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, the the rest uh, is kind of, you you need to do a lot of heavy lifting, but the Google portion almost, like, runs by itself. And I think uh, it's, uh, like, this is a hot tip for the listeners. Uh, Just get the the Google portion of the Giovanni Chronicles and just just run that uh, as your campaign. Like, don't, don't worry about the rest.
0: I mean one of the things that I sort of I liked the idea of in like well the Giovanni Chronicles and the Transylvanian Chronicles that I didn't really feel worked is the the idea you know you're playing different periods of history and you're playing your sort of vampires through history which I think if you're playing a vampire game it's almost a shame not to do that in a way because obviously one of the big things about vampires is that they're functionally immortal so but in the same way as like it's the whole idea of like D and games like that is to is to play this campaign where you go from like zero to hero. But like, let's face it, no one ever really tends to end up running a campaign that long. I think vampire has much the same problem. Whereas yeah. it's it's a real shame that you don't get to play from like oh I'm a neonate in like the dark ages or whatever, up to like mm-hmm. modern day when I'm like some elder and I'm I'm now the person sort of like looking at the neonates in the same way I was looked at. But It's very rare, I think, a campaign actually runs long enough to do that. Yeah.
1: I think there's definitely... Well, as you said, the Giovanni Chronicles and the Transylvania Chronicles as well, they both try to do exactly that. And I think... um, Well, the Giovanni Chronicles succeed, I think, better in that sort of thing. But I think that's only because the Transylvania Chronicles are just... Oh, boy. I don't... Like... I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I read through them and uh, it was rough, rough going. I, I never touched them back in the day but like, l- looking at the n- uh, the books now with what we know, and just with our modern eyes, it's just not up to par on any level. Well,
0: yeah I mean I think I think I struggle with that with a, a lot of the older vampire books. It's like, well, Obviously when I was first playing vampire and I'd probably played like maybe two other role-playing games beforehand and, and i just sort of got the books and i was like oh this is how it is and you just sort of accepted uh-huh. it whereas like you say now having like more experience and playing different games and obviously like vampire and dnd like aren't the only games in town anymore when you sort of uh-huh. look back on these games now it's like i, I looked at i, I looked at Transylvania chronicles and it was like either two different people like wrote the first bit and the yeah. second bit or like the guy who was writing the first bit like took like a whole like bag of magic mushrooms like just he wrote the second bit and no. then it's just like oh yeah uh, aliens in the sewers and yeah spoilers again for anyone who's not read this like cack old book aliens in the yeah. sewers and like vicissitude everywhere and stuff like that and it's it feels quite disjointed to me when i try and look back at those books now and it's i'm not saying that like you couldn't as a gm sort it out because i think any sort of good gm could take what they want from the books but Certainly compared to some of the campaign books you can get now for sort of more modern games, to, 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 to coin a phrase. I, I think they do look a little bit sort of like clumsy and disjointed now, these sort of older books.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, well, Transylvania Chronicle*, particularly, uh, one of the things that really <laughs> annoyed me that someone would do this repeatedly in the, the text of the book, it goes, well, there's this, like, it probably like, describes a scene and somewhere along the text for that scene or immediately after it or before it in the introduction to that chapter Mm -hmm. it basically says well we came up with these four ideas and when you read them you realize they're kind of like separate distinct ideas that Mm. don't really necessarily have anything to do with each other they're just stuff that happens and then it goes on to say well like you you make up the the holes that we left Here. here so and then i'm i'm left here holding the book and going you've just told me like you didn't on purpose you didn't write your book and you left it full of holes and then you tell me to do the work (laughs) of making any sort of sense with this otherwise it's just gonna be well four encounters of of which like two are built to be just straight up like long swords out and your potent celerity combat that in between those it then tells you like yeah you should probably like drop more combat encounters here and then you get like one story encounter at the end and then fast forward like 200 years and there's there's like nothing there for (laughs) any sort of like coherence or story tempo or like whatever
0: yeah i mean i I, I certainly know when i first read that book that rather like yourself where it gets to the big bits where it's like oh you just make up some shit that goes in here i was like "I, i could have done that without the book
1: yeah, without your extremely poorly thought-out ideas, which don't really have anything to do with each
0: other. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, obviously, we're not just here to like sort of bash the old world of darkness, and we, we we do have to remember. I think that we sort of published like quite a number of years ago now so <laughs> yeah. I, I mean i think if you look at sort of like the new world of darkness stuff and like the 20th anniversary stuff and i'm sure the the newer edition of vampire although you yourself know more about that than me um i'm sure that like there'll be a lot of lessons learnt when it comes to sort of putting out their books i mean obviously there's there's not the sort of vast array of supplements for like 20th anniversary and um, v5 at the moment but i'm hoping at least when they start bringing out the supplements they'll have sort of like learned some of the lessons from the old books and they'll have, i mean that that's that's the that, that's the only real thing that keeps me sort of interested in like the new version that's coming out is going to be seeing like whether they have learned these lessons and how it's going to look through sort of like modern eyes if you see what i mean yeah and
1: definitely like when you look through these, particularly the like the campaign books, the the adventure stuff for old uh, vampire, you need to keep in mind that it was a very very different time, and that's mm-hmm. also why the text looks like how it does. Yeah. Uh, how it constantly talks about advanced quote unquote role playing and how you need to be uh, mature mm-hmm. and uh, all these things that really like speak to me of, of almost. Uh, like this branch of the industry being like taking its baby steps like you you, you haven't figured out how to even talk to your audience yet like you, you're talking to at least that's how it like looks like to me uh, and that, that these writers write their stuff thinking someone who doesn't understand what I'm writing is going to read this and I need to give them guidance so that yeah. they don't get it wrong and that's how it reads to me a lot of the times with these older books and like uh, to me uh, it, it, <laughs> it just looks silly but of course that that was a different time then and if i would would have like written these as they came out of the press uh, i would have been a different person looking at them with different information that i now have but just looking looking back it was a very different time and a very different game i presume
0: yeah i mean that's i mean we have to remember that obviously nowadays uh, mature and inverted commas or sort of like darker games that they're fairly sort of penny you know there's lots of different ones out there but sort of when vampire and like the other world of darkness games came out they were sort of like really the first of these games so i think they do suffer by the fact they've been imitated so many times over Mm -hmm. the years so we're almost at the point now when you look back at them they do seem quite old-fashioned and like say a little bit clunky a little bit sort of behind the times but they only really seem that way because they've been imitated and sort of improved upon a number of different yeah. times uh, over the years, so I'm hoping that V5 and when they do more for the 20th anniversary, if they do, it's going to be them sort of like bringing that full circle and sort of taking lessons from other games in that sort of genre and sort of updating it. And I think we need to face as well the fact that um, obviously vampires and things like that—they're not quite the sort of the big lore they once were. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it's not quite such a, a sort of niche thing now. A Norse roleplay, to be perfectly honest.
1: Yeah, and like the big part of vampires' origin, of course, was the fact that it, at least it was seen uh, in in certain circles as a, sort of a reaction design to the big player in the field, which was D and and uh, with with the whole like. Oh, we're gonna be, first of all, we're gonna be in the real world, quote-unquote, the world of darkness. And then we're gonna deal with these um, dark themes and and social themes. Like, it's not just gonna be uh, a combat fest. We're we're gonna, like, we're gonna sit down and we're gonna talk. And uh, we're not gonna go off on adventure. We're gonna figure out how to exist uh, with with each other and uh, people around. So, uh, I think... A lot of the the weird stuff <laughs> that like stands out to me at least is probably due to a little bit of that like you you deliberately pose yourself in the opposite corner of whatever was the thing then, and as a result you you sort of you use language in a different way and um, yeah, I think quite a lot of how vampire has been seen is is a bit of a result of that because you uh, I've heard so many stories of people saying, well, I started playing D&D, I did too, uh, and then, like, when I got a little bit older, and they published Vampire, I stopped playing D&D, because I, I, was, I was trying to be cool, I got my leather jacket on, I got my sunglasses on, <laughs> and I'm playing this cool kids game, I'm not with that, like, dragon bullshit anymore, I'm, I'm playing this like, dark and uh, teenage <laughs> angsty game.
0: <laughs> see me later yeah i mean i think um, i think ironically one of the things that made uh, well a few of the things that made vampires stand out at the time have sort of led to it suffering in the long run because as you say at the time it was i'll call it, it's in like the modern world as it was then not in a sort of generic fantasy land it's dealing with like current themes but obviously whereas as time's moved on that the fact that sort of D and D was sort of like generic fantasy has stood it in fairly good stead because it's still generic fantasy even in the modern day. Whereas obviously vampire that was set in the modern world of the time with those issues, the the real world has moved on. So when, I think when you look back at some of those older books now, the themes maybe don't have as much resonance because, mm-hmm. like they like say, it was a very different world back then. Which is like again to, to keep sort of harping on about the same thing is something I hope I'm looking forward to sort of seeing in V five how they folded the the current modern world into the game.
1: Yeah, they uh, <clears throat> I do have the. Uh pdf for v5 and they, they definitely like bring it up to speed uh, they've scrubbed a lot of the the 90s off mm-hmm. of the game and they've done a lot of other stuff as well but we'll do like a separate like v5 review or whatever like down the line
0: yeah sounds good
1: uh, but but yeah uh like my short form review of v5 bonus content um <laughs> is quite good i really enjoy the design i enjoy that they uh, stuck with um, the storyline, uh, the metaplot. I- I'm a huge like metaplot hoover for <laughs> Vampire the Masquerade. Um, and they they stuck with the metaplot, and they moved it forward as well uh, into new and interesting directions. And they they basically made the game fresh in almost all of the areas, which is, I don't think, nothing to sneeze at for a game with as much baggage as Vampire
0: <laughs> Yeah, I mean... It- it regardless of like how good or not the the new version is it's got to be a fairly daunting task as like game developers to sit down and look at like all the stuff that's been released over the years for the world of darkness and then like sort of look at that blank first page before you start writing anything and go all right how, how do we update all this shit to make it relevant yeah, for like, like a modern audience
1: like where do where do we start even <laughs> I, I mean
0: even just talking about it now, it, I, I honestly think if i would have been faced with the same situation I'd have had no clue how to actually like start the ball rolling on that, so yeah. I mean re- regardless of how good or not of a job they've done, I mean fair, fair play to the designers for just like getting it out first of all. Yeah they,
1: they, they did the thing.
0: <laughs> That's it, I mean if you obviously it's not uh, an easy thing to publish anything like it's easier now than it was perhaps back when Vampire first came out. But sort of doing something that has such a place in the heart of like many different fans of whichever edition old or low world of darkness it is, yeah. it, it's gotta sort of like weigh in the back of your mind when you're like, all oh right, we're we're effectively like changing a, a really well loved property. So it's it's gotta be it's gotta sort of weigh a bit heavily on the shoulders where you're like, oh, obviously we don't wanna we don't wanna mess it up, but by the same token, we can't leave it a hundred percent the same because we're Trying to update it for the modern audience
1: yeah i think overall they did uh, a fairly good job with the all uh, like keeping parts and bringing new parts in but yeah uh so <laughs> that was a slight side tangent there um Indeed. so our game what rough beast yeah i was going to ask them
0: um, obviously you've you chose to run it in LA. What? Yeah. What was it that led to you wanting to pick? Was there any reason you picked that specific city? I mean, I know sort of running games in like cities is pretty much the the standard for Vampire. Because if you were just a Vampire on your own in like the middle of the countryside, it wouldn't be very interesting. And where would you get that blood from? But is there any reason you particularly picked LA as like the setting?
1: Uh, I quite like the the location. for... well, it's a. Um giant city right and that's always fairly easy uh, as far as vampires go like you you don't get the the issues that you do with smaller cities where like is it like sensible to have uh, any amount of vampires running around because like people would notice real quick yeah, um, I mean, I
0: think we've all sort of played in games where, like, the GM's going to, like, oh, we're, we're starting off in, like, a small town or a village, and they're like, all right, this is the prince, Here, here's, like, his ten child. Then you've got yeah. representatives of all the other clan, and you're like, are, are there any real people in this, like, village? Because, like, how have they not yeah. noticed that there's, like, <laughs> 80 vampires in a village of, like, 200? Yeah, and, you, like,
1: you, you you introduce the Cavalier court, and then you just ask, is there any, like, you have constituents <laughs> at all. You have the prince and a shit-son of uh, whatever, like, um, people that amount to being courtiers, and uh, just like, is, is, do you have any peasants in your neo-feudal system? Like, is anyone living here? Or do you just rule this city with no
0: vampires? Well, that's it. I mean, I, I think the sort of, the structure of, like, the Camarilla doesn't really work once you're below, like, a certain number of vampires. Because obviously nice. the sort of stereotypical sort of structure where you've got like the the prince, the seneschal, the sheriff, the scourge, a, a, a primogen for each clan, possibly their seconds like clan whips, harpies, and all of that. Even if you just put those basics in, and you don't have any actual clan members, which obviously would be ridiculous. But for argument's sake, if you don't, you're still looking at about sort of ten, fifteen vampires. Yeah. So if, if you're running in like a village, which reasonably could probably only like cover like maybe five six vampires mm-hmm. if you were lucky, the, the sort of default structure of the game doesn't really work.
1: Yeah. So that's one of the reasons, uh, it's, um, it's an easy place to set a game uh, because you have the urban infrastructure there um, and I quite like the, the locale as well, Like you have the sea there which gives mm-hmm. different opportunities, you have the mountains and uh, plenty of uh, like park areas, uh, large like reserve type areas. And I quite enjoy the the idea of the climate down there and because i 'm from Finland, so <laughs> like uh, the sort of climate you have uh, in l a is to me like ooh, that's nice that's different um, so there is that and
0: yeah I mean I think one of the uh, one of the handy things about running um, running games in like big American cities i mean i 've done like a few games in like Boston and like New York and a couple in l a is most of the cities tend to have like big sort of park areas and there's quite a mix of different terrain so if you want to do like oh you're meeting in like a big park and you meet with a gangrel or something like that you can still do that without it seeming like oh I've got to I've got to arrange to like travel like 200 miles into the world and just <laughs> yeah. like, go and see him you, you can still have that sort of going on in the city. But by the same token, if you want to run an adventure that set amidst like the urban sprawl or like the decaying docklands, you've only got like a hop, skip, and a jump, and you're there. Yeah, and also
1: uh, I quite enjoy the sort of the, like the canon material for uh, LA in the world of Vampire and the Masquerade mm-hmm. and I think, because it is the, like, the Anarch Free State, right? Uh, but I sort of, like, move beyond that, so, like, this is the post-Anarch Free State that we're living in, uh, where the the Free State has pretty much collapsed, and... Well, it's, it's still there, but it's lost almost all of the big pillars that uh, actually made it possible. And then uh, I quite enjoy the video game, uh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodline, so I picked a bunch of the ideas in the tabletop RPG materials for uh, LA and I picked a bunch of the ideas for Bloodlines and I sort of like, smashed those together and then like included my own as well and then made this uh, Rather, like, it, it's, it's easy, right? When you're working from at least some sort of base. So I, I included uh, like some of the core ideas of what the vampire stuff in LA is like. <laughs> and just, just for context, so for our game, um, and like the World of Darkness in general. Uh, The Sabbat has tried to take control of LA for a long time and they've always got their asses handed to them. Uh, So I framed this game as like the latest uh, effort in the (laughs) long series of failures on the part of the Sabbat to actually uh, do anything in LA. And um, uh, yeah, so that sort of like served as the, the springboard for this. Okay, and now you guys. Uh, can be just like street level nobodies in, in the past.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting point because I gather in V5 like the Anox are sort of much more of a thing. I mean, as you oh, yeah. know, I'm like I'm like as far from being a fan of the Anarchs as, like, <laughs> as possible to get I've like gone round the other side and like met them but uh, mm-hmm. I- I've, I've been talking to a few people and they're saying they've sort of like they've evolved the concept of what the, the Anarchs are because my sort of idea of the Anarchs is and I'll quite happily admit this is very much set in like sort of second edition like vampire mm-hmm. where is it whereas it, it's like oh we're we we do not really want to join the sabacc because they're a bit monstrous and we, we don't want to join the camera like, so woo fuck the man <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, and they just sit around and do nothing.
0: Yeah, so so I, I know my sort of view of them is like fairly archaic as far as the game yeah. goes. But uh, is is there anything in the the sort of like the newer core book about that you can like divulge about how they've sort of developed the Anarchs a bit? They're gonna come up
1: with um, like the next two books from White Wolf at least uh, are probably gonna be the Camarilla book and then the Anarch book. I don't know if that's the order, but anyway. Uh, those two are uh, coming out, mm-hmm. and um, the well, the, the situation has changed in the V5 timeline. In that, basically, the the Camarilla has really started to basically collapse. Uh, the Ivory Tower is is broken now. Um, the well, the Gangrel already left the Camarilla mm-hmm. in the previous materials but the most of the bruja did as well uh, so the camera is down to five clans and uh, well you you'd have a like a fair share of uh, the gangrel and the bruja in the, uh, the contemporary anarchs in in v5 um, i mean the, let's yeah. face
0: it the the bruja and the gangrel were always sort of like almost tailor-made for like the Anarchs, yeah. really
1: yeah and uh, the thing that like propels a lot of this forward, uh, given that this is the situation, is that uh, well, the Camarilla basically sort of accidentally let regular people know that vampires exist, so now there is uh, a collection of various intelligence agencies and assorted like interested parties who uh, know that something exists. That looks like people, but they are not people and uh, this new so called it's, it's called that by the vampires um it, this is the second inquisition in in the masquerade world okay um, it's not organized like these uh, entities aren't really like talking to each other, but there's like the Russian Secret Service knows that something is really fucked up, and so does the uh american uh like central intelligence agency Mm -hmm. and they they've done some stuff let's say that really uh shook up the the world uh for vampires at least because now they have they know that vampires don't show up on let's say like infrared red so you just like infrared is very easily available so you just get yourself some gear and you start scanning people and eventually you spot what they call blank body and then you go huh that's interesting
0: i say anyone at
1: room temperature <laughs> yeah and um, they so I think it it probably started like earlier than that but at least in uh like 2008 in in the timeline of the new book uh a lot of the stuff is getting shaken up pretty well and most of it is the so so they sort of they accidentally uh due to like it was inevitable right because you can't mess with people uh, that long and that uh, much uh, as, as the people do in the Camarilla, especially because they like to interact with people, right? So you can't mess with them without them eventually figuring you out. And people figured uh, a lot of the elders out. And also, surprise, uh, humans can do a lot of computer stuff. So when you do have the Shreknet uh, of the Nosferatu, with the fucking data banks of every vampire location and their havens and whatever. Yeah. Uh, um, someone got into Shreknet and they took the information. Uh, and basically, uh, like, a huge list of Camarilla, like, big players just got knocked out. Uh, firebombed havens, uh, people, like, SWAT teams coming in during the day and just killing Elders like it's nothing. And, um, so, like, a lot of the Camarilla structures starts like breaking down because the Elders are the structure and they die so there's that
0: yeah, and uh, i think it's quite cool they've actually done that because i, I remember so sort of back in the earlier edition and one of the the big things when they were saying about the masquerade and they were sort of describing how the father even though the sabbat ostensibly are like oh no fuck the masquerade we, we, we're not scared of humans mm-hmm. they did sort of follow their own version of the masquerade yeah. so like oh we're not yeah. scared of humans however if there's hundreds of them with like tanks and bombs yeah, that's not so good if they like become aware mm-hmm. on a grander scale. So it's actually quite nice that they've sort of like moved it on and gone through like the logical progression that they sort of hinted at earlier on.
1: Yeah. So so that happened, and uh, like different bands, obviously, like like I said, the Brujah and different clans have suffered in different ways. Of course, a lot of the Ventru elders just fucking died. So uh, there's there's a lot of new princes. Like they, they, they come out with the fact that okay, a lot of people died. So it's basically the killer. The An- Ancilla, however you want to pronounce, pronounce that, um, they are now the new elders, like these people who are like maybe a hundred, 150 years old, like Mac. And um, uh, well, the Tremere got fucked up, so the Inquisition went like, wait a minute, uh, we think like the, the like ground zero for all this vampire bullshit is in Vienna, where the the like big Chantry of the Tremere is, and they got drones and they... <laughs>
0: <laughs> it blew the whole fucking thing up well i mean l- let 's face it what 's going to make you seem like more dodgy than just being vampires. I went out only vampires were like blood wizards as well
1: <laughs> yeah, so basically the the Tremere is just decapitated uh, so so that 's the thing
0: <laughs> i mean I think it 's interesting to to sort of like bring you back to your what rough beast game we 've been talking about this this new inquisition, obviously uh-huh. in your what rough beast game, you have this sort of paramilitary organization. That, that we've sort of recently blew up bits of and got involved with firefights with <laughs> yeah. and all manner of like tomfoolery now obviously i'm obviously since we're still playing the game i'm not expecting you to give away any like secret plot information but why did you want to sort of use like this sort of hunter organization point of that term in your game what was it about them that sort of like spoke to you in terms of the game
1: uh, I quite like the idea of uh, I'm I'm sort of modeling what we're doing in our game after the Society of Leopold stuff yeah. that they have in in Vampire. I'm, I'm sort of riffing on that because I find the idea really uh, almost like tragic that there's there's this one branch uh, that's also excommunicated. It's not anymore in V5 like the the Vatican went. Oh, maybe you guys were right all along. Actually, <laughs> yeah, coming in with your vampire knowledge. <laughs> yeah. So, like, this is before that, obviously, but... Uh, so, I, I find it quite tragic that there's this group of, like, excommunicated faithful people who are really fucking obsessed with these monsters that only apparently they can see in the world, and uh, they're just extremely committed to this thing that no one believes is true, and uh, they get involved, ob- obviously, with the vampires that they're tracking, and uh, and then they get their just desserts, I think. Uh, but also, like, there's the, there's the fact that they're, they're actually... Right, like they, they know that vampires exist so they get some of the shit right which uh i i find uh interesting to play with uh <laughs> i was quite lucky for you originally to pick for your character the the weakness of silver because i was already like planning on yeah because i'm gonna use these guys and they they get a lot of shit wrong so they think that silver is good for vampires and then you're like yeah i'm gonna <laughs> i'm weak to silver i'm like well
0: you yeah, because i right. I know when we when we sort of like broke into like a couple of their safe houses, you were describing how there's lots of like garlic everywhere and like crosses and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, the sort of stereotypical like Hammer horror sort of like details, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, so I, I sort of I I wanted to put them in because I I quite enjoy the Society of Leopold as a concept. Uh, I don't so much enjoy the like the superpowered like hunter shtick that they did. So I'm not big into Hunter the uh, Reckoning,
0: was it? Yeah, um, Hunter the Reckoning. I mean, I, I, I personally I quite like that, but it, it was a good game when it existed mm-hmm. within its own little bubble, sort of a mm-hmm. around the whole like Time of Judgment game or whatever you want to call it. But it didn't really work outside of that little bubble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like,
1: not not too much into into that player, but uh, I quite enjoy the. Well, it's it's sort of the uh, like the proto version of the what's called the second inquisition in in v5 yeah. is what i'm playing at right now in in our game like these guys are serious they have access they have high level contact they know enough to be dangerous but they get a lot of shit wrong but they have the conviction to do something about it which is uh, a lot in in a world which doesn't give a fuck about you if if you are a person and um i thought it was uh, go- probably going to be a little bit different to do the whole like hunter stuff with Sabat instead of the Camarilla which is at least in like my uh mind the more common version so like you're you're the Camarilla there's been a masquerade breach uh oh, you need to go fix that and probably there's a hunter somewhere in the mix and uh, I thought maybe Try and see what happens if we do this uh, with the Sebas. Uh, obviously, like I just I had the, uh, the hunters uh, stake your place out, and uh, uh-huh. you, you guys got like right from under the the Eye of Sauron, so to speak, because you switched <laughs> havens just as I was like. Well, yeah, they're gonna like they figured out you were there because you had some firefights in the in the vicinity and whatever. Yeah,
0: we weren't exactly discreet. <laughs>
1: yeah, and there'd be people dying, and they have eyes on the street, so like they figured you out, like you, they they knew where you were, and then you switched havens, which was like we would have had a, a different con- confrontation with uh, um, these guys if you hadn't switched places. You you probably would have like w- woken up to some C four
0: <laughs> or something. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the one of my slight regret. I mean obviously yeah, I've enjoyed sort of playing a character who's gone on to like a path of enlightenment, I very much enjoy that. But so sort of like seeing the hunters in the last session, my main my regret is I'd have kind of liked to have held on to my humanity up till that point. Because then you've got the mm-hmm. whole sort of like, oh well you know, like, that, that whole sort of like, are we the baddies sort of thing where, yeah. um, where or, or they're, they're doing sort of horrible things but... They're ostensibly doing them to like protect people from even worse monsters. So that would have been mm-hmm. cool to kind of play on. Whereas obviously being like on the path of Feral Heart, I'm like, oh, they're threatening the pack.
1: They gotta go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that that's one of the uh, that you guys sort of like diverged away from due to not really being interested in going into the place where probably more of these guys are, and and you blowing up their um, entrance as well. So you guys sort of like diverged away from one of the uh, sort of like titular what rough beast uh, moments there uh, where, well, we still have people on the path of the just straight up humanity. And uh, uh, we would have probably had some choice words <laughs> there with some of the like a higher level, like the, the upper management of the, the society. Uh, but like you say like, you're already beyond that (laughs) with your character at least so uh but yeah like definitely these these hunter guys are on my list well they're they're kind of the baddies as well like i don't i don't know if they are the beat yet but uh we'll see we'll see how the next session goes
0: yeah i mean it's pretty cool as well i know we've touched on this briefly but it's pretty cool that there aren't really any sort of like clear-cut sort of yes these are the shiny goodies Oh, these mm-hmm. are these sort of evil, despicable, like, infernal baddies. Because, obviously, all of the characters have sort of, like, got their dark sides. I mean, even, even Matthew's character, Lucille, up until up oh, yeah. up until <laughs> la- up until last session, <laughs> I would have said, like, yeah, Lucille's, like, the most humane sort of member of the pack. Yeah. And, obviously, I'm aware that it was my character trying to go, like, oh, yeah, just, just kill those people with, like, your shroud, and, like, it's grand, just go for it. But, um, yeah,
1: it,
0: obviously, all canines or kindred, whatever they want to call themselves, have got this dark side, hence the beast Uh so it's quite cool to sort of see that even the most like ostensibly like human characters have a bit of a dark I mean Uh I think the only one who possibly doesn't that that we've seen at the minute is Trip ironically who's a gold (laughs) because he he genuinely just seems to be like a a nice guy who's like a bit of a stoner and and he's been gold Mm -hmm. and we've just gone carry on running your porn shop and occasionally we're going to get you to do shit for us and he's like oh yeah Yeah. whatever
1: yeah and then just like, uses all of his brain power to ignore some of the horrific abuse <laughs> that's, that's been put upon him. Uh, and and this shit that he's noticed about you guys that he doesn't want to deal with. So, he, he, he's doing the whole, like, I'm just looking the other way because I'm not getting actively hurt or anything. So, I'm just going to ignore that.
0: Yeah, it's, it's that whole denial thing, isn't it, where if it's yeah. not directly influencing you, you can turn a blind eye to an awful lot of stuff that's going yeah. on. yeah
1: yeah you just call up your friend and um, i don't know maybe you go over and like play play like call of duty for a while and you, and you just forget about the the like the blood stains on your guy's clothes
0: <laughs> that's it i mean we we did see again another way sort of reflecting that when we had the the, the police turn up at our haven last session thanks to like a, a bit of a misstep on behalf of <laughs>
1: That was an incredible play by Matthew.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I mean, pre- I think pretty much like, I mean, fair play to Matthew, I think probably that like 80% of like the role play in that session came yeah. either directly or indirectly from that. And for, for anyone who's uh, not familiar with the game and has not heard us sort of laughing about this, basically our Ductus Bly asked Lucille, who's like, ostensibly like the influence sort of like person the more moves more in human society to to get us some police officers Threat has been detected. They get us some um, sort of police officers thinking like, Oh, we'll um, we'll use them as influence, etc. And I actually just ended up calling like a load of police who turned up to our haven with like shotguns and cars and stuff like that, thinking there was something going on there. So and then we had to sort of work out how we could get away from that if we could still salvage the situation and stuff like that. But pretty much I'd say yeah, pretty like a good eighty percent of what later happened in the session mm-hmm. happened as a result of it Lucille's actions.
1: Yeah, uh, it, it's wonderful how how well Matthew plays into the the clueless aspect of his character, he, 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 or oh, well, the character uh, just doesn't seem to quite grasp uh, a lot of the uh, the sort of vampiric
0: aspects of of what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I'd say that's fair. I mean, uh, one of the things I always thought about the Zombra the clan that obviously Lucille belongs to yes. is that they've always seemed like they'd be a better fit for the Camarilla than the oh, Sabat really? because, you know, they're all sort of like... Especially the older ones, they're all sort of like influence mm-hmm. gathering oh, using yeah. their pawns, stuff like that. Not really yeah, the sort no. of down and dirty like Sabbat like the rest of them. Yeah. So I think Matthew sort of playing his character that way is very fitting based on his clan, and he's obviously... L- Lucille was obviously chosen because she moved in society. She she was quite well off, you know. She had a bit of influence, yeah. etc. Whereas, obviously, m- myself and Blythe were just sort of like tonked over the head with the shovel because <laughs> they're like, oh, they look a bit rough and ready. Doom right? mm-hmm. doom. Let's bury them and see what happens.
1: Yeah, and like Blythe is oh, no sorry, uh, Lucille, Matthew's character is is the only character who actually had any any real contact with the vampire who sired her even though that was very brief uh, as well but like at least like she she got to talk to him
0: yeah i mean obviously myself playing annie and um, dennis playing Blythe, we were sort of like mass embraces but we, we didn't know our sire. we started off as pandas uh, slash katif and had to sort of find our own way from there whereas which i think sort of accounts for our sort of our slightly sort of rough around the edges sort of view of things you know we've not got quite the sort of rosy like civilized view of things because well we had to like dig ourselves out of our own graves and then like survive frenzy and stuff like that before we could settle down into being canites. whereas it, it certainly feels to me that lacia was maybe like not sort of like handheld through it, but was given a more sort of gentle introduction into being a canite.
1: Yeah, sort of the old school, almost like pre-Sabat. Like I choose you, so I'm gonna uh, like <laughs> you. You need to be uh, up to my standards. So I'm.
0: Yeah, definitely. Okay.
1: The the police move was great on Matthew's part. I think <laughs> that was some that was some bullshit uh, and. I quite enjoyed how it, well, basically, Matthew turned the, like, with one phone call, Matthew turned the entire city of Los Angeles on its ear because the police ended up, thanks to you, uh, and, uh, of course, Blythe, for, like, getting these police to back down without actually starting a firefight at your house, Uh, but you led them to the uh, hunters and uh, and caused what amounts to a, a massive firefight inside la which given that this is our timeline is in 2003 america is really sensitive to that sort of thing <laughs> around this time mm-hmm. and um in, especially in in populous areas like la so you have your like like by the end it must be like almost a hundred people with guns on the street once the police get their reinforcements in. So basically, with one phone call, the, the end result is like martial law in LA, and uh, probably the National Guard are getting called in, and uh, basically armed police on every corner.
0: From now on i think ironically um, given that lucille sort of like did this accidentally she's actually done almost the perfect sabbat tactic for like disrupting the camarilla hold oh, on yeah. a city because obviously we're like yeah there's police everywhere that's a minor inconvenience however if you're like some camarilla whose like influence is now being affected on different levels by this mm-hmm. it's more than it's more vastly inconvenient for them than it is for us we're like oh we've got to avoid police a bit oh you know we've got to be a bit careful That's fine. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you've suddenly got, like, you're having trouble, like, overtly controlling your influence because the, like, police are poking their nose into everything, it's going to be a massive pain for the Camarilla. And uh, ironically, given that Lucille seems, like, more like a Camarilla vampire almost than a Sabbat vampire, Mm -hmm. she's created, like, the perfect environment for the Sabbat to actually flourish in. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Uh, Plenty of violence as well because you know that the law enforcement personnel in the city are going to look for because there, there was a lot of shooters in the the sort of like staging house that you got the police to <laughs> fight with mm-hmm. uh, there was a lot of people there so they know that it's multiple uh, perpetrators so they're gonna be looking for more do so you just know that it's gonna be gang warfare up in this business here because they're gonna be busting down some doors that they maybe shouldn't So there's there's gonna be just like entirely unconnected to anything. Gangs getting police attention and it's going to turn out ugly for them as well.
0: I think we're, we're probably likely to see some like a, a swelling in the number of Sabbat as well because I, and I, I know i've embraced a, a couple of people but given that the fact there's going to be some sort of like gun-toting like badasses like everywhere i can mm-hmm. certainly see there's going to be at least there's at least a few of the other packs we're met that are going to be like oh the, these will make potentially good k you know, so let's just grab a few of these people and like embrace them to like, mm-hmm. swell our numbers which obviously is even going to sort of feedback loop into that whole sort of
1: yeah. escalation
0: of violence and make it worse <laughs> Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, depending on how things go, it, it, this this could be very bad for LA in the long run in our timeline at least. Um, so, uh, a question for you. you yeah. uh, You played
0: Sabat before, I think. Yeah, I've played in a few Sabat games before.
1: Yeah. So, how
0: would you say this game compares to those? I would say one of the one of the nice things about this is. Uh, when I've played in previous Sabat games, it's tended to focus more on your characters being like an established pack from the get-go. You know, you sort of create your characters as a pack, you're in the Sabat, you've been in there for a few years, you know, all right. the, the ins and outs, boom, yeah. crack on with it. Whereas in the game you're running, we sort of, although we technically we started off Sabat, we weren't sort of like true Sabat, so mm-hmm. although we sort of fairly soon got recognized, it was nice to sort of like play through that introduction and sort of do the awkward bits when you're like oh right we're not really truce about that anyone can technically just mm-hmm. off us and then have to worry about it so we've got to tread a bit carefully and now we're slightly starting to sort of get our billy really big ones on a bit more and get oh yeah we're truce about but, like the collateral damage pack you know we've we've got a few missions under about we're getting a bit of a mm-hmm. swagger on it's nice to actually play through that leading rather than it just be like boom you're a sabbat pack go yeah and i think that was pretty cool as well
1: uh that i think you came up with the idea uh, first, back in like before we started playing, that maybe it would be cool to just play it, like real, real simple, like start from the beginning and like mm-hmm. stick to the streak level stuff. So maybe like not with the uh, and this this plays into like why I wanted to do this in LA as well. Because LA, in at least in, in my setting that we're playing in now, yeah, because uh, I sort of like moved the timeline forward to where the the free state is basically collapsed. And uh, the Camarilla is, is sort of like picking up a carcass, installing a priest. And then the sub is like, well, like, we, we fucked up a lot before, but maybe now we can do it. <laughs> and like, just send in the scrubs, like, whoever we don't like, just send them to LA. Uh, like, all the losers uh, are there. And uh, it, was, it was fun starting this game with the idea that we don't, we're not gonna deal with a super high-level web. Of politics and old favors and whatnot, and we're gonna focus on more uh, street level, like visceral uh, sort of like rival rivalries uh, with with some people who just aren't that like well established or liked anyway. Like even even if they like some of them are like, yeah, I'm a bishop, what you're gonna do, bitch? but, Like they're they're not like in favor of the sect at large. Like they they can maybe declare themselves bishop in this shithole town that doesn't belong to the Sabbat yet. <laughs> they can do that but they're not uh like big head honchos in mexico city or whatever
0: yeah i mean one uh, of the um one of the things i and i agree I, i'm very much a fan of the street level stuff one of the the things i've found sort of like the potential downside is when you play a, a vampire game where you become quite powerful in terms of either you've been playing a long time or you start off playing ancilla or whatever there is a tendency for the game to become almost sort of like superhero power levels because let's face it if you're some like camera or elder like getting hold of like blood's not a problem you just like child or ghouls like bring me a person boom blood sorted out so that doesn't become such a thing you've probably sort of you're on a level of humanity or, or a path that you can maintain obviously if you couldn't you'd have fallen to the beast long before you became an elder or a powerful ancilla so it, it the, the sort of like the weaknesses of the vampiric form are, are lessened a bit so it does become almost like a sort of superheroes with fangs game rather than a vampire game.
1: Yeah, they, uh, I think back in the day, they used to call the, the superhero era of vampire uh, the vampires. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and that, that's one of the things that um, I I sort of miss with vampire in, in general. Like, I, I never... That was never the vampire that I... And it, it's been somewhat of a revelation to find out that that was the experience that some other people had like the, that there was this time when you basically just played superheroes with fans that sometimes needed to top off the, the blood gas tank and then you just go on.
0: Yeah, I mean, I certainly know that um, a few of the games I played in where we sort of got to quite powerful levels, they tended not to last very long after that, because once you got beyond the whole, like, oh, wasn't it cool to have a cackload of disciplines, once you realise, like, you can pretty much get away with anything, and there's nothing that can really stand in your way other than, like, older vampires, Mm -hmm. there's no real challenge about anything, whereas when you're playing the sort of earlier levels, the sort of street levels, Everything you do feels like a bit of a challenge. I mean, in the the Water of Beast game, okay, yeah. I, I think my my highest discipline I've got I've got like a couple of points in, obvious skating, a couple of points in Dementation, which yeah, don't get me wrong, it's great for like enhancing people's emotions or like making mm-hmm. myself invisible. But none of it's flawless. None of it completely erases risk. And I think when you get to the really high levels of disciplines it's like let's let's say you're a vampire with like the dreaded celerity five and maybe oh, no. and maybe, uh-huh. <laughs> maybe a few dots of potence and <laughs> fortitude if some like human comes at you with a gun you're just going to laugh at that gun take it off and then like twist the human up like a pretzel without even breaking a sweat yeah. so, so there's no real like risk involved once you get beyond a certain level unless like an even more powerful vampire comes in and you just end up with this like, escalating power scale yeah
1: which is uh a a game i wouldn't mind playing right Uh, i wouldn't mind playing a game where uh well you could set this in the dark ages as well but uh, i i started immediately thinking about the uh the sort of like multi-century game that we were talking about before you could start in the dark ages you play as a ghoul of while, then you get embraced you play dumb stuff uh like leading up to like let's say present day and um, like present day you're a 600 year old vampire and like, you, you can smoke uh, every neonate in the city if you wanted to. Uh, and I, I would quite like, actually, to play a game where that's like the average player character. Like, all of you are like, really stompy elders. And then like your focus is entirely on those who are immediately above you right, in the chain. So in the Camarilla, <clears throat> you'd be really worried about like, whoever has authority, I think. So you, you'd be looking out for Justicars and Princes and whatnot. Yeah and then the actual, like, secret elders of of the clan uh, that you're in, and also the elders of other clans in the Camarilla. And then it becomes a game of this, like, paranoia, because you you are really strong, you can destroy lesser vampires. Like, you know that someone is more powerful than you, and you don't know what they want, you don't know where their influence is, you don't know how to, like, stay out of their shadow uh, so that you can stay safe. Necessarily, and and you still want more. Uh, you you're not You are not the most powerful vampire. So who the fuck is above you? And then you start to like. This is the whole like meta thing they had, right? Uh, the the yeah. children start going like, oh wait wait a minute. Like the the elders, I don't like the idea of the elders, that sounds really scary. So maybe let's band up and kill them. No, that, that might be a cool uh, game to play at some point. But yeah, uh, to like your point, absolutely. If that's not the game premise, and you're just playing your regular, like, yeah, oh, there's a Masquerade Preach, like, go like, go deal with that. And you're uh, you're an elder with, like I don't know, like five presents, and you just decide that the city doesn't care, and that happened. <laughs> you just sit in your home and you go, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm just, I have six, uh in, in presence or whatever so the entire city feels what i decided feels and it feels like it doesn't care
0: one of the the most interesting concepts i saw for a vampire game which uh, a friend of mine sort of first suggested but, but i've not got around to running that i quite fancy doing in the future was a bit of a riff on the sort of like the generational sort of chronicle and the idea was you sort of started off in dark ages playing like your neonates you then went to like your second time period be like Victorian Age or the Renaissance or whatever and you played your your previous character sort of powered up for a few sessions long enough for them to like choose a childer you then played that childer or you played each other's childer Till the end of that time period, then you sort of repeated with those childers, sort of picking their own children in like modern day, etc. Mm-hmm. And you do like a few sessions where, like, so in modern day, you do like a few sessions where you'd like be playing your original character, now an elder. Mm-hmm. You do a few sessions where you're playing like your second character, like the ancilla, and you do the majority of it playing like the newer, sort of like neonate in the modern day. I thought that might be an interesting way to sort of still have, like, oh, you still get to play your old character as an elder, but without it just being, like, every session, like, I'm an elder, i got them disciplines, boy, what are you going to do about it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. And you get into, like, you don't even need, as, as the person running the game, you don't really need much of a plot at that point. Uh, at least if your players are comfortable with, uh, like, playing each other's children along this great chain, Yeah, vampires, and then doing the whole vampire thing, which is you you jockey for power and you look for ways to basically take over the positions of your elders. So I think if you create this chain of vampires, you could just have a game of intrigue just within those lines, like people trying to take over each other's stuff and uh, to basically kill each other.
0: I think I was quite lucky that sort of when I was getting into vampire I played a lot of like minds eye theater you know like the sort of live action version of um vampire the masquerade because whereas like traditional vampire the masquerade you tend to be in like a coterie or a pack or whatever and you're sort of working yeah. with a pack um, minds eye theater is much more like you are a vampire and you're trying to sort of scrabble over the bodies of everyone else to like get to these positions mm-hmm. of power. So I think in a way it sort of prepares you better for those games of intrigue almost than like a mm-hmm. traditional tabletop game of Empire.
1: Yeah, I've been listening to uh, well, they do a couple of podcasts. Uh, the they're called like the Utility Muffin Lab. <laughs> uh, they, they do this uh, really great uh, podcast called "25 um, Years of Vampire and Masquerade," uh, like a, a retrospective. Where they review each Vampire the Masquerade book that's been released, and they talk about that. Uh, so I've been I've been listening to uh, a lot of those episodes. Uh,
0: great stuff. Have, really you got, um, have you got links you'd be able to send me for those, so I can put them in the description oh, yeah. of the podcast in case anyone's interested? Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, so Utility Muffin Labs they
1: do the the retrospective podcast, and then like a like a more general like stuff that's on our minds Usually it's vampires, well. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the other stuff as well. And uh, apparently, these guys are really uh, uh, like experienced LARPers, so they, they probably have done, at least that's the impression I get, that they have done at least as much LARP as they have done the tabletop. Um, yeah. so, uh And this is, I, I haven't done LARP ever in any game, so this is all very interesting to me in, in that sort of way as well, because I don't have experience of my own. But I, I, just, I was just listening to them today, and they were talking about like, going into this LARP event, one of them, and um, uh, it was, uh, I think, one world by darkness or, or something. And it's sort of like a shared, uh, connected world, uh, which includes these different events in different areas of, of the actual world. And um, it's apparently a very long running game. And uh, the, the other host of, of the podcast had been there. And he was like, well, I, I heard uh, like someone discussing event that had been uh, going on in like 2011 in game, and then uh, the the point of that discussion was like if you if you hear someone talk about stuff that happened in 2011 in-game time, you know that they're, they're probably a badass by now you know? Yeah, they're, they're gonna have some points on their sheets. <laughs> so yeah, I imagine like, if, if you have long-form LARPs like that, and uh, obviously like you will have, uh, if you if you've thought about this stuff, you will probably have some sort of like system for new people to join in and not just feel like useless c- compared to everyone who's been playing for like Fifteen years. Uh, but I imagine, like coming into a LARP like that, must be intimidating as all hell. When when you realise that, oh shit, oh shit, L- these these people have been at this, this forever, and this is my first LARP.
0: Well, I know there was um, I, I went to a couple of um, a couple of Theatre mines I Theatre some um, with friends of mine that happened in uh, Milton Keynes over here, and they've been running like for I think probably like five to eight years, and um, I I, I joined like a brewer. I was at like, the charter of like one of my friends and um, turned up and uh, on the first evening you turn up and you're like alright oh, this is uh, the prince you're like his grandchild are like twice removed and you're like <laughs> okay and uh, a lot of this a of the mind's eye games I played were fairly sort of small because obviously I live in a small town so you're talking mm-hmm. like 10-15 people max then you go to like a game in a big city like Milton Keynes, and they're like, "Oh, we've got. We regularly get like fifty people like turning up to like this LARP." And you're just like, "Wow, shit!" And like, you think half of them have probably been playing it like since the early days. Mm-hmm. And they like say it's, it's an entirely different experience. But um, talking of the sort of long running games, I know that when you started what rough Beast, you were saying that you had a sort of like a finite sort of run yeah. for the game in mind. Um, is there any particular reason you wanted to like keep it a finite game rather than like an open ended game?
1: I guess I wanted to have uh, uh, for once, I wanted to have some sort of contained yeah. like I, I wanted a definite endpoint. I didn't necessarily know uh, like how many game sessions we would have or what the definite endpoint would be, but I wanted a definite end game in in this, this uh, sort of continuum that we have going on because my games tend to be uh, like it's, it's the curse of, of running uh campaigns right you get a lot of games to just peter out mm-hmm. and while that's good uh in the way that well obviously unless that happens in like the third session you play quite a lot of game sessions per campaign and usually the thing peters out when the fuel runs out of your game and uh, yeah that's that's still good. You like you got to play a lot of games. At least that's the way it goes for me. I usually get to play, uh, let's say, like 15, 20 sessions at least per uh, campaign, and that's a good amount of gaming. And uh, I'm I'm happy with that sort of thing. But uh, I I just wanted something different. Like I, I didn't want to go for uh, the sort of like sandboxing, where even though that's like we've been doing some of the preform stuff. Like I haven't bored stuff down your throats that much. Even though I, I keep pestering you with some of these NPCs who want, want you to do stuff, but gi- given the situation, uh, like no one is forcing you—at least not at the moment—to do any of that. Like they just—they're uh, asking you to do stuff, and then you decide what you do. But um, I wanted to—I uh, wanted to avoid doing the thing where I like, have you guys make characters. have you guys make connections between the characters and the setting and then there's the wide world and you can do whatever you want that's fun and i do that a lot and it leads into some interesting things when you have players who like to pursue their own goals and (laughs) that's usually the way it goes anyway so that the sort of campaigns that i tend to be involved in but i wanted to try something different i i wanted to First and foremost, I wanted to tell myself, like, you're not gonna just run this forever. Uh, you're gonna end this at some point. And I sort of, from the beginning, I've had some stuff in mind, which I imagined as sort of the beginning of the end for this particular uh, story arc and this, this yeah. particular character. And uh, I haven't like planned out the definite end of this game, but I, I know that there is a finish line somewhere and I'm just waiting for you guys to reach it. I guess, in, in like, if you, if you know at all what I'm saying. But,
0: yeah, um, I mean, I, I think for myself, from a sort of GMing point of view as well. I mean, one of the reasons I tend to favour also games that are sort of contained and a bit sort of like a finite plot arc is I've always got ideas for like future games I want to run, and obviously we've all yeah. got we've all got only so much time we can actually spend prepping for games. So I think if you've got the one game that just sort of like runs forever in a day. Mm-hmm. you never really get to like try out some of these other games i mean it's like um, the, the the dungeon world game i ran for people that had a finite end plan like like yourself not a sort of finite yes we're going to play 10 sessions and that will be it more mm-hmm. in case like when you reach this point that will be the end and it's like well if that game had carried on forever i wouldn't have got to run like the rose of west haven we wouldn't have freed up the time for like you to run what rough beast in so mm-hmm. i'd have been sort of like locked into that one game whereas I think once you get beyond a certain point, it's nice to like wrap things off and tie them all and then say, all right, let's go on and try something different now for like a change of pace.
1: Yeah. And also, well, just like I said, there's, there's so many games I want to play. And at some point, I just feel like I, I maybe need to just limit the length of some of these games that I get involved in just to get more games in, like different yeah. types of games. I'll try different flavors, um, explore. Experiment with stuff and do like weird stuff as well. Uh, and also, <laughs> there's so many more vampire games I want to run to this. Like, this isn't the only vampire story I want to play. Uh, so mm-hmm. there's that as well. Like I enjoy a lot of different aspects of vampire. And I, well, this is great fun to uh, have this sort of down and dirty LA story that now just exploded with the, the last session. <laughs> literally, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's really fun to do that, but I also have countless concepts and like story flashpoints for different kinds of vampire games in the dark ages, in in the the present day, in the future as well. And of course, with uh, V five coming out, I really want to play some of that as well. Uh-huh. So. Like you said, there's there's only so much time, and the the curse of being a person who enjoys a lot of different games that that's something I find that I need to really keep in mind because I I can't get all everything on my plate at once.
0: No, I agree with that. I mean, I, I've got a friend of mine who sort of like lives nearby, and he's he's been trying to set up like a one-shot sort of face-to-face like Fate game using like Dresden Files Accelerated. Yeah, and uh, he, he keeps it like put on facebook he's like all right okay, how about this date and like if it's like within if it's like within like a week or so i'm like dude like my, my weekend's booked up I, i've pretty much always got games on sunday evening mm-hmm. um I, i'm quite often playing D like in the wee small hours of saturday morning plus like, when you factor in like tremulous one shots and bits and pieces mm-hmm. like that it's a lot m- harder i find now to sort of like, at short notice just go all right boom i'm gonna run a game it's like, occasionally it happens like um, i was talking about the um the recent sort of Lamentations game I played in the in Christensen run that was just a case of I saw his post on Facebook I, I happened to be free and I was like right mm-hmm. do you need any more players like boom let's go but it's like so much rarer now that that actually happens
1: yeah I've been really uh, overjoyed by the fact that we actually could fit in three tremulous games in a fairly short amount of time uh, and in rapid succession as well so that, that was a nice break from like the usual stuff that we do.
0: Yeah, it's been—it it's been ni- was nice to play the three games in fairly quick succession as well, because they're all quite different, even though they were tremulous games using sort of like similar play sets and characters mm-hmm. playbooks so it was nice of play them together so you can you more easily like contrast the differences between the different games mm-hmm. and sort of say oh yeah you can see like there was a difference when we we're playing this journey as to when we we're going to ebony's as to when this was happening mm-hmm. and it was nice to get that bit of contrast whereas i think they like, say what another one of the curses of playing like quite a lot of games is you tend to only remember like the standout moments in games after a bit
1: yeah 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 that happens and well i I guess that's just the nature of playing a lot like eventually you won't be able to keep up with all the all the stuff but then i guess i guess you could look at it it as being somewhat compensated at least by the fact that if you play more games
0: uh you're probably going to get more of those high points as well uh, and different kinds of high points as well that's how I mean, m- m- much as I sort of like bitch about not having enough time like an old man, but it's a good problem to have going like, oh, I'm struggling to fit games in, yeah. rather than just being like, oh, I can't find any games to, to join in with, or I can't get anyone to play games or whatever. I'd far rather have the problem of mm-hmm. going, like, oh, I'm struggling to find free time. Yeah, so because
1: like, I already have so many games on
0: the calendar. <laughs> that's it, rather than being like, oh, I- I'm playing no games at the minute, and I'm struggling to find one. I'd far yeah. rather have too many mini- game's problem so okay to to round off this podcast episode a couple more questions Mm -hmm. Um, from what you know now what do you envision the eventual fate of the collateral damage pack being in your game what's your prediction uh
1: i think like there, there's actually like despite the wall to read, I think fracture is is definitely on the cards there mm-hmm. because there's there's a lot of like internal like structural stress in in the the pack because you're, yeah. you're all kind of pulling a different direction. So I think definitely I, I think maybe if one of you dies, it's just probably gonna be the the other two are just gonna. I tail it out i think that that's definitely on the cards and uh death is definitely on the cards now because you guys <laughs> kicked the hornet's nest so um yeah i, I think maybe like disbanding <laughs> is is the most likely and then of course like if you really mess up uh there there's definitely going, you're going to like mess with the archbishop shit, uh probably in the next session so that that's a bad idea so there, there's definitely a, a, a chance for just a throwdown between, like a good old sabat, like, punch out.
0: <laughs> and um, my final question, what has been the most surprising or entertaining moment in the game thus far for yourself?
1: Mm-hmm. I think it was probably, it was probably the, there, there's two moments, right, that really stand out, like like who said, like the, the high oh, point, uh, and they were in the same session, um, I think, if I remember correctly. It was in the S-map, uh, first off, when Matthew walks in, and I have, I, I make use of his flaw of being mistaken for someone else, to cause everyone to think that it, it was, uh... A, an actual archbishop that just walked in where it was actually matthew's nobody <laughs> barely not even true ba- uh character that walked in so that was uh very entertaining and Basically, from that moment, when I did that, I don't think I talked for like 45 minutes, because you guys were busy <laughs> discussing what to do with the situation. Uh, so th- that was uh, great. And uh, then the second standout part was when uh, we had the diablerie of the Kamarian Nosferatu by your character. <laughs> yeah. And how that changed not just your character, but uh, like a lot of what happened afterwards. Because of course, that's the that's the point where your character diverged really hard from being their regular selves, but dead and trying to figure out what vampirism is, and like straight up into hardcore Sabat. And uh, the the diary the was uh, a very very memorable like turning point for the entire game for me. I think.
0: Yeah, and I think it was interesting how. Like you say it didn't only affect my own character but like the relationships between the different characters and how the like you say how the sort of the fractures started showing mm-hmm. amongst the pack structure i think that was really cool yeah okay well thank you for talking to me johannes about um, your what rough beast uh, v20 sabbat game now ju- just to close off if there was anyone out there who was thinking oh i'm thinking about running a, a v20 game they maybe not run it before or what sort of like you piece of advice would you give them if they're thinking of starting up a V twenty game?
1: Don't sweat um, the details, whether that's the in-game world, the the sort of meta plot as it's called, and uh, use the bits that you need and entertain you because there's a lot of material in there, and if if you're doing this the first time, it's a lot to take in, and you don't need to. That's that's the key. understanding uh, v20 I think and how to get an enjoyable experience use the bits that appeal to you and entertain you that's probably like that if I need to like put it simply that's that's how you do
0: it okay excellent well thank you very much for joining us in this episode Johannes and we will wrap up here so that's it for this episode if you have any questions or suggestions for things you'd like to see in the podcast in future please either email them to diaries at gmail.com or drop me a voicemail at anchor until i see you next time wherever you're playing take care and enjoy yourselves